Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. We are back and pretty much immediately after Arsenal United, we just recorded uh, a new series called The Insight, which went out on Sunday. You're obviously listening to this on the Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day you listen to it. The Insight was like a tactical breakdown. This is more the cultural, the vibey things that are going on. Jaden Sancho is getting a message, in a, message uh, a sort of chat in this episode, which and Ansu Fati. So there's the, the vibes and the cultural aspects that you come for are in this episode. CK joins us. He didn't get to bleed his emotions out about the, the loss in the episode that we did for Sunday. And I'm going to ask you this time, how are you, bro? You know what? I'm, I'm, a, le- I'm a lot more level-headed now. I'm actually like pretty calm after that. Uh, my head was gone for a second, and then I had to come bro, in and talk I let, tactics. Bro, I mean, <laughs> before, before we started recording just then, you went, oh, fuck, it's more, It's more to do with the extra <laughs> stuff around the Sancho and just like the constant drama around this club is just ridiculous. But in terms of the actual performance in the game, like, I'm actually a little bit more calm. I think we actually played pretty well. So, um, you know, injuries and stuff and just mental lapses and just the lack of quality, I think, bit us in the butt. But I'm a bit more calm about the game than I thought I was going to be, to be honest. But happy to be here. Appreciate you having me on, as always. Uh, I'm just going to very quickly add this little anecdote in for you. Raj was just staring at his ceiling. Then he decided to walk back to the window that's behind (laughs) him. You obviously can't see this. And he's in some checkered tight shorts like he's just done leg day so he's just had a view of his backside while he's walked over to these windows and closed them raj forget how you are what is going on in that bedroom of yours <laughs> so i don't know what happened but uh, there's some random uh daddy long legs came in and it's just uh making the weird no- <laughs> weird noise and i saw another one coming afterwards i was like so i'm getting infested by daddy long legs so yeah the window had to be closed uh CK, are they called daddy long legs in the states as well Mm, yeah, crickets, daddy long legs are like you're talking about the long spiders, right? With the big, yeah, the big, like, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We call those daddy long legs too. Yeah, well, hold on, Raf, you're in London, you don't know what daddy long legs no, are. No, I do, I do know. I just had a, I was, I was like, wait, what's he talking about? You had a little moment, what, what, they're um, worse than spiders because they just fly around like m- maniacs. Yours fly, I don't think ours fly. Maybe we're what? talking about two different things. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I told you, you came here for the vibes. We're talking about daddy long legs that fly in, in the UK, but don't fly in the States. Um, Raf, you've just come off the back of uh, the yeah. Arsenal game. Um, tell us how you're feeling, brother. Rice, rice, baby. That's how I'm feeling, <laughs> man. That's how we are feeling today. And that's the vibe for today, tomorrow, for the rest of the week, for the rest of the international break. That's the vibe, man. That's the timing I'm on. Rice, rice, baby. That's what I'm saying. I can't lie, it's a vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Like when it's playing, I, even I was like, right, right. You know, when the full time blows and the first song they play, and they started playing that song straight away, and the whole stadium, whole stadium's on a rice, rice baby. It's mad, madness, man. Loki, CK, were you doing that uh, Jay Z meme when it was happening? You know, the one who's that old. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like shaking his head and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, objectively, like. Declan Rice, what a, just an incredible player, bro. Like, he, even aside from the goal, I thought he was incredible today and just absolutely bossed, bossed that midfield. Definitely, he did, did a job with, with Havertz and Odegaard ahead of him, just kind of holding that down and, you know, a little bit of a lucky goal on the deflection, but, you know, just, just a top player. <laughs> he's also also just a very nice guy. Yeah, like a um, for sure. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a I mean, relatable he's, guy. That's that's the main thing about yeah. 
He's definitely going into media after. He's so well-spoken. 100%. Him and Madison on a TV show, I swear, I'm locked in every single week. Um, their chem would be out of this world. Uh, less, I mean, you spoke about Kai, but because something else has just broken, I'm going to just shift the Arsenal United game to the side for a second. The reason CK said, oh, fuck, before we start recording, is because of this Sancho thing. So basically, Ten Hag, after the game, uh, said that Sancho isn't involved because of his performances in training. Sancho's now just gone and tweeted, uh, and obviously you would have seen this by the time this episode comes out, but please don't believe anything you read. I will not allow people saying things that is completely untrue. I've conducted myself in training very well this week. I believe there are other reasons for this matter that I won't go into. I've been a scapegoat for a long time, which isn't fair. All I want to do is play football with a smile on my face and contribute to my team. I respect all the decisions that are made by the coaching staff. I play with fantastic players and grateful to do so, which I know every week is a challenge. I will continue to fight for this badge no matter what. What on earth is going on? Got I have be some no idea. I think there's got to be some just long-standing rift there between him and Ten Hag that's caused this to come out now. I mean, Ten, his start to the season wasn't that great. I mean, last season it didn't end great for Sancho either. So there must be some kind of friction there. And I think it's just come out, hasn't it, in this in this week's training what Ten Hag's blaming on. Obviously, Sancho thinks he's done nothing wrong. But I would have to probably side with Ten Hag, even without knowing the story, because Ten, Sancho's kind of intensity on the pitch has always been a label against him. And I think he's not really improved that. Um, he's always playing, in my opinion, at kind of half intensity. And he's not even off the ball. I think Anthony, you can't fault someone like Anthony for his intensity. He's always tracking back and his work rate's phenomenal defensively. But mm-hmm. Sancho, I don't see the same thing with him, even when he's not playing well. And yeah, I would. I mean, I struggle here to like take sides. I feel like it's bigger than bigger than than that at this point like he pretty much should have just tweeted like his his statement was pretty much eric ted hogg's a liar basically like what he's saying is not true <laughs> which is a mad thing to say to as a player to to the manager on twitter in a statement that he writ, wrote in his notes like i don't think that's personally the way to 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 go but i think it is like it's probably like the, the straw that broke the camel's back for him in terms of like this is probably a long-standing thing we know that sancho's definitely had his struggles he's he's had time away from the team he's come back it's never really clicked for him to like play consistently or play well consistently he's had some moments but it's mostly been inconsistent up and downs for two years and i feel like i mean he said this week i've been a scapegoat for for a long time so he does feel like something that ten hog is doing is is personal to him um what that is i'm not completely sure but um yeah it's it's just it's always drama at this club if it's not one thing it's another <laughs> so I guess, yeah i guess what the um... see how it plays out the Saudi transfer window is still open for another couple of weeks. Maybe they will make new for Jaden. I'll be gutted if he goes to Saudi. I'll be gutted if he goes to Saudi because it's just a shame how his career has panned out at United. I want to personally apologise to Raf because at the start of the episode we teased Rice Rice Baby. He's just come off the Arsenal United game. He's definitely buzzing. And then we've gone on site chatting about Jaden Sancho because, I mean, it's, it, the news is going around as we speak. So I apologise to Raf. We will come to Arsenal United. You will get to celebrate your victory. We will talk about Rice and everything else in between. I want my we, yeah, we will get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, before we do, I just saw an interesting tweet from uh, Culture Cams um, referring to Jaden Sancho and whether he's Manchester United's worst ever signing. Because we were just saying that there's probably no way back from this point. Raj is grinning, and I've got a feeling you might back this narrative. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of candidates. I think Anthony's going to be one of them pretty soon, in my opinion. I think, as we discussed on the insight, he's going forward, there's literally non-existent for him at the moment. I mean, defensively, he's putting the work in and like Sanchez. So, yeah, you probably put Sancho ahead of him. Uh, but, yeah, those two are both up for debate. And then you've got Slabed, haven't you, at 85 million as well. That is looking <laughs> horrific at the moment. Um, he's going to be going... I don't, West Ham didn't even want to pay 30 for him, did they? So, look, that's his market value is basically gone to a quarter of what Man U paid for him. So, he's up there as well. That's a, There's three of them. And they're all um, three in the squad think, right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's another one. I, don't, I can't remember how much he cost, but I think Di Maria, he had a really bad time. And Man United, a really bad time. Like, So, maybe maybe that's another shout, but um, pr- probably doesn't match the price tag of, you know, Maguire, um, Sancho, Anthony... So for me, it's probably still Maguire, like because of like you know all the PR and everything around him and how like destroying it has been for him, and like like for example today we were at the match, he came on and the Arsenal fans started chanting his name. That's how that's how bad it is. That's that, that that's how bad it is for him. So. Uh, <laughs> And every single time he got the ball and he booted it up the pitch and it went in for a throw in, everybody was having a laugh. Like, so I, I don't, I don't the guy, the guy, the guy like doesn't help himself either. When he no, goes no, off to England, so he starts mistakes. putting his fingers on his ears, like oh, he's creeping everyone. Was that, was that in a friendly too or something? He's like, dude, what like you, uh, read the room. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's definitely a couple. There's a couple candidates for sure. As we said, like three of them are in the squad right now. I think we've had. Some bad signings that just like, like, like this is kind of a theme. Like the player clashes with the manager, like Louis Van Gaal and and Di Maria. It just like didn't work. Paul Pogba and, and Jose Mourinho, they just didn't like each other for some reason. Alexis Sanchez is obviously one that's like a more injury based. Like that, that just didn't really work out. Like someone like a long time ago, uh, Cleberson. I don't know if you guys remember Cleberson, but he, mm. he, that was a really big name signing that that didn't work out but Jaden Sancho if, if this truly fizzles out into like nothing and we get three years of just like or two years of basically just like inconsistency and then one year of just nothing like for I think we paid 70 million like that's pretty that's pretty up there of being one of the worst in the history and it's just like not even I mean I definitely have questions about his like ability his like traits and how they tr- uh kind of apply to the Premier League style of play but to not even get like a consistent run of performances after three years is just like only Manchester United been it's it's weird because I feel like he's actually got away with it for ages and now he's like gone completely the opposite way where like people are now going actually anything he does is completely unforgivable um I don't know if that's like because it's been three years or actually it's just because people have gone I don't, I don't rate him. Um, whereas Anthony's now on the flip side. Like Anthony started off that way, like from the get go, and I think it's because he did the fidget spinner skill or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> people were like this guy. People hated yeah, him from the get. Put the target on his own back. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, the worst was when he did that little spinneruni in the Europa League and then hit it straight out of play after doing it. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if whatever happens with Sancho now, like Raj, you just said about him going Saudi. If he goes to Saudi, like. I don't hate players going to Saudi, as you know, but for the story and the narrative of him going from Dortmund to United and being the star and this, that and the other, and then he goes to Saudi, 
because he fell out with Ten Hag, that where do you go from there? Like he's not, he, essentially he's not going to go to Barcelona, Real Madrid, yeah. Man City. He's going nowhere. Basically, the, 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 that, only, the, going... the other place he could go to is Dortmund. Return. Obviously, he's felt comfortable in that environment before. I think that could be a potential one for January. They'd probably take him on a loan with an option to buy, which gets activated after a few periods. And I think he'd be a decent shout back there. Mm. I think City. It's quite too, sad honestly. how yeah, it's quite sad how it's ended up with him because there was a time when Haaland, um, Bellingham, Sancho—they were all at Dortmund—and you see how they their careers have gone. Like Bellingham's at Real Madrid; he's like the next superstar of the game. Haaland's at Man City, breaking every single record there is in this game. And then you have Sancho, who's... I, I said it at the time when he made the transfer, like, Man United is not the place you want to be. Like, it wasn't... It it was, it was never going to be the right environment. Like, it was too... Like, there's always something shifting in that club. Or there was, at least at the time when he came and how it's panned out. And it was never the right environment for him to go, go to in the first place. And obviously, now you have a new manager that, that's come in that doesn't rate him at all whatsoever, doesn't appreciate whatever skills he could offer them. And it's, it's it's just a bit sad to watch because like even when he was at Dortmund, he was like one of my favourite players to watch. Like he was just, you know, especially whenever like an English guy goes to a foreign league and starts balling out, like it's it's so fun to watch as a Premier League fan. Like you see Tammy Abram at, at Roma, that was really good to watch. Sancho here, Bellingham at Real Madrid. It's just like you feel like you want to support them and you, like you you want to back them, and to see like Sancho in this position at United is it's quite sad to be honest. We will come back to United and Sancho, Raf. I have some fears about your internet connection, so therefore, uh, I want to uh, get your Arsenal United. You're yeah. you're fine at the moment. Okay, I want to get your Arsenal United take because if we have to let you go, I'd rather let you go on a high than on this Sancho conversation. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling? Uh, where is your brain at right now? Can you explain what's going on with Kai Havertz? What's changed between this season and last season? And was Arteta about to cry at the end of that game? Uh, that's a lot of questions, but uh, all I'm going to say is that <laughs> at, at the 89th minute, when uh, who was it that scored for Man United? Uh, Garnacho, Garnacho. When he scored. I was I was cussing out the whole club. I was cussing out the whole, all the players, everyone, and I was you know about to leave the stadium. <laughs> Fast forward four minutes, um, in in a in a state of mind which I cannot describe. I'm in a place where, um, it's just all, all types of madness, and you know I still haven't quite recovered <laughs> from from all of that. But um, just my whole take on the thing is, this is, I think a bit more of a rational take that we we haven't played as well as we did or as we started off last season. But we're still kind of just like just about you know grinding out these results and everything, and what I'm just hoping for we take we take this energy that we got today, um, uh, we put it into use during the international break and come back in, in a better state, because if I'm going to be totally honest, I'm not happy with the way we've started um, the season. I'm I'm not really happy with all the dynamics in the squad and you know some of the positions that are being taken up by players. We'll get to that you know Havertz and. Uh, you know, Gabriel not playing and all that kind of stuff. But football, at the end of the day, it's all about results. And um, you're better off winning than you are losing um, all the time. So uh, I know we didn't play that well today, but at the end at the, at the end of the day, we won. That's all that matters. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, take that 
and uh, you know build build on from that during the national international break as well. Very quickly, because I'm I'm absolutely convinced that your internet is about to collapse. We're not far away. Um, Kai Havertz, I yeah. want to keep this positive for you, but the fact that you've taken it down a negative angle. What are you feeling about Kai Havertz? Because me watching that, I I was perplexed as to why for, he's playing me, in midfield. The thing, yeah, I just don't understand why he's in midfield. And the thing with Arteta is that he once he sees he gets an idea for a player, he doesn't let it go until it's absolutely like you know falling off the wheels. This just reminds me of the Willian situation all over again. Like this guy played William for half a season, he did nothing on the right wing. Same thing here. I actually, the, the thing with Havertz is I actually rate him as a striker. Like, um, um, So if you uh, watch back his performance against Man City in the community show, he played as a striker and I think he played really well. Yeah, he missed like two two chances, but like the overall play, you know, holding the ball up and, you know, linking up with the players, he just looked so much of like a better fit in that striker role. Whereas in midfield, he has... So, you know, obviously to play in midfield, you need to have those dynamics. Like, for example, if you look at a right-hand side, you have Odegaard, you have Saka, you have Ben White, who have formed formed that dynamic over the season. And then you have Havertz um, in this left-centre mid role. He's in this island, island. Like, you know, when we're playing at the back, he's dropping deep, but he's not even getting the ball. No one's really giving him the ball. He's just he's just there. Like, Declan Rice is getting the ball or White is getting the ball. He's he's just there, standing there. And when we're, when we're attacking... This is something I noticed today. Like, for example, when Martinelli had the ball on the left wing, you know, um, and there's like Zinchenko next to him. And instead of Havertz as the centre mid, you know, coming next to him, you know, providing him support or, you know, making a third man run or something, he's just gone into the box as a striker. That must be like, obviously, that must be like an instruction. But like anywhere he's on, every anywhere he's on the pitch, he kind of just looks like a passenger and doesn't really know like what to do. Boy, you would not think Arsenal have just won three one against United. Raf just been at the game and he just he hopped in singing rice rice baby. He's about to leave us complaining about Kai Havertz as a left uh, side of eight. Who would have thought been, it? Who it's been annoying me for a long time, like a very long time. Where it's been four games of the season. What do you mean for a long time? It's, ever since he stepped in, it's just been annoying me. It's just one of them things because we had such a perfect system going on with Xhaka, who is so underrated. And this, that that was a guy who understood the system, understood where he needed to plug the gaps. And I can appreciate it's a very hard role to play. And Arteta should appreciate that as well. And I think it's a bit unfair putting Havertz in that position. Um, Arraf, I do absolutely love you. However, I don't know if that order is going to come through perfectly, but that was very yeah. choppy and chalky. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to let you leave. Yeah. Uh, mainly because... I don't want you to force the chalky, choppy yeah, audio yeah. or it to drop out. And it's a Sunday night, and I feel like I feel like I'm upsetting you because I wanted you to be happy. I wanted you. To, I wanted you to nah, run around nah, your house nah, and nah, rice I'm rice baby happy. all night. I'm still happy. I have a lot. I have a lot going on the timeline. I have a lot of content to look through. A lot of content, content to you know go through. So I'll be up all night. <laughs> uh, anyway, Raf, yeah. we will let you go, all and right, uh, we'll pretty- catch you soon. Um, thank you for hopping on, bro. But Raf has now left us because I didn't want you guys to experience what I was just experiencing in my ears for a whole hour. <laughs> it was torture. Um, CK and Raj are still here. We just spoke about Kai Havertz there very quickly. Um, I think everything that's been said, we previously we said on the insight, and then also I think Raf covered it quite well. Um, I want to talk about why Arsenal are different between last season and this season. Because I feel like 
the formula they had last season was pretty perfect, near enough. They were very close to winning the league. People were saying it was psychological. Uh, Zinchenko and Gabby Jesus said they were nervous. I don't know why in, what, four months, I'm now looking at Arsenal and going, I'm not entirely convinced. Um, I don't know if you you felt the same way uh, watching them so far this season, Raj. Yeah, I generally do think it has something to do with how they're setting up in possession. I think last year, they had... Firstly, this is the first game Zinchenko started. So, it's the first game we've seen him invert next to the holding midfielder. And then, as well as that, losing Zinchenko, they lost Timber, who's meant to replicate that same role. So, the Arteta did put some kind of measures in place to try and make sure there was no drop-off in that regard. But, obviously, he's done his ACL now. And then, thirdly, obviously, we've talked about the habits thing. Xhaka was a lot more involved in the deeper build-up play. So, they were manipulating the block in different ways. Zinchenko is more of a metronome. You could either fire switches, fire passes between the lines. Xhaka was one of those one, two-touch players, as well as being able to switch the play. Yet he was very good at linking everything on that left-hand side. So those those are the differences, I think. Uh, but what I will say is, I think the last two matches, I watched the Fulham match as well, and they came on very strong in the second half, like they did against Man United, with the simple change of Fabio Vieira at left side in number eight in both matches. And it immediately brought more potency towards their build-up. So I don't think they're far off. I think as long as they pick the right players, they'll be all right. And um, we do, as we mentioned on the inside, we do have some concerns defensively because we don't have Xhaka to provide that defensive platform alongside number six. That is the only worry. But in possession, I think they will sort it out. Um, and, and the last two second half performances, I think, show that. CK, any thoughts on Arsenal? I know there's a lot of Sancho stuff going on, Ten Hag stuff going on. I can see you like skimming through your timeline as we're chatting. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I definitely, I think it has a lot to do with, with. I think Xhaka was just such a big piece for them, not only on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Like just his like leadership. Like he was, he was kind of like, he was a big, big piece of that team. So anytime you remove that and then replace him with someone like Kai Havertz, who is, you know, a new guy, someone who there's a lot of questions around. No one really knows his best position, where he's going to fit. Um, I think that just initially sparks a lot of like uncertainty into a team. Even some of the players are kind of wondering, what are we doing? And then you add on top of that, um, Arteta trying to experiment with Partey at right back, removing Gabriel um, out of the squad, who was you know an integral part of their, their title run last year. And just kind of all those things combined, I think, you know, led to Arsenal not really getting into a rhythm but they have so much quality in their team that they're you know they're able to pick up points along the way while they're figuring it out but I think they're just struggling to find you know exactly what their best 11 is and I think Arteta is probably trying a bit too hard to integrate Kai Havertz into that 11 Um, and so we'll kind of see how that progresses but I, I definitely am concerned about that left center mid spot and like I don't think Fabio Vieira over the course of a 32 game season is like the sustainable option there. Um, Kai Havertz, I'm not sure if he'll ever come good there. So I do think it, it's, it's a pretty big question mark, especially with Partey out and not being able to play that double pivot of, of Partey and, and Rice. Um, there's definitely some question marks there. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that people like Arteta, sort of say managers like Arteta who are like really innovative. They always try and find the next thing. Like they don't, one thing to praise about managers like Jurgen Klopp, for example, although extremely stubborn, uh, he had like this method of three uh, workhorses in midfield and he would find solutions around them, essentially. Um, 
I feel like managers like Arteta, Pep as well, but the luxury Pep has is millions and millions of pounds, and so therefore he can constantly rebuild sides. Um, I don't know if Pe- uh, Arteta is experienced enough to to do that level of like tinkering, to do that level of like innovation all the time. Um, as cool and as interesting as it is, I do sometimes just think like, okay, last season you lost Jacker. We spoke about this on the inside, so we won't go into it in too much detail. Um, but they should have just got McAllister. And you've basically fixed your left-sided eight position and not had to even blink. Um, and then you're just improving. You're bringing in Timber. That injury obviously has affected him. And then you're just you're flushing out the squad that bottled it to some extent last season. But I think he's actually gone, I need to change something because we were this close, but something was missing. And I just feel like sometimes managers don't need to do that. Um, yeah, I do think one part of it is he wants a different option for big games. I think what he wants is Kai Havertz there as an outlet to hit in a more direct manner, like mm-hmm. Pep, Pep started doing with Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne as a 9-10 duo in the big game. Last year, you see against Arsenal in the title winning, um, uh, in the title running. They kept going long to KDB and Haaland and going that way, bypassing the press. And similar against Bayern Munich, Man City did the same there and tore them apart. So I think that's what I think that's the idea behind it. He's trying to get Kai in there, and I think he will use him as a number nine in those big games to hold up the ball and act as that kind of release mechanism when teams are pressing him so hard. Teams like Man City, teams like Liverpool, because you saw when Liverpool put the pressure on in the title running, when Man City put the pressure on in the title running, they struggled Arsenal. So I think that is the mm. might be the evolution behind it is what he's trying to do. So, yeah, interesting things to look into. Uh, CK, I want to talk about his Ten Hag away from home record. I know mm. in the insight you said that there's lots of positives to say, but I'm pretty sure that's one point in 10 away games versus the top nine um, between last season and this season. That's a very spooky record. That's they, it, that's Levi Colwell sprinting back type of record. <laughs> no, it's bad. It's it's really, really bad. Yeah, I think you're right. One, nine, and one, one and nine. Um, and Oh, one and nine. So yeah, one point, um, which is horrible. Yeah, I think it it speaks a lot to. I mean, I want to be fair to Ten Hag and also criticize him as well. Like he definitely, as a as as the manager of the team in those games, he definitely deserves some of the blame. He he definitely has has gotten it wrong sometimes in in terms of his in game management, in terms of his selection at some time. But I think a, a lot of it is also like the mentality of of the squad that he took over, like a lot of these guys don't believe that they can win these games, in my opinion. Like, when you look at Arsenal in that game, like, they believe that they were going to win that game the whole time because um, they've done it before. Like, they've, they've cultivated that mentality over is this Arteta's fourth year or fifth year. They've they've they've, mm. they've built that to, like, you know, we're, we're winning this. Like, we've done this before. And that's easier said than done to cultivate in a squad. And I think right now, like, even when we went 1-0 one, one up, it was like, okay, like, let's 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 not concede here like it 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 feels very like we're not supposed to be here yet um Mm. and i think the players can kind of feel that too um and so i think it's going to take some time obviously you you would hope to get more than one point in 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 those games um but i think we've we've gotten unlucky in a few of those games um but it's definitely something that needs to change sooner rather than later because like i mean you're not going to win any titles you're not going to win any competition um not beating good teams away from home um, and so I think it's 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 a lot of men, a mentality thing. Like when the going gets tough, I think a lot of these these guys sort of crumble and just like not being mentally locked in for the for the duration of the the game. 
few, by the way, just a uh, side point, a few more jalapenos have been thrown into the Jaden Sancho uh, saga. Uh, Piers Mor- Morgan has come out. Hi, Jaden. Come on, Piers and Covered, and I'll get you out of this Ten Hag nightmare. <laughs> no, he didn't. He tweeted that? <laughs> yeah, he tweeted it out. <laughs> Oh, see, this is gonna be this is gonna be nah, and we don't have any games this week, so it's just gonna be this like yeah. dominating. Oh god, oh brother, Pierce Morgan, man, that guy's a leech, um, bad guy, man. Um, if Jaden goes on that, then he's so badly advised. Um, and I know right now we're definitely going, nah, it's never gonna happen. But Pierce Morgan clearly has some pull. Like, he manages to get people on that he should never get on. Um, he managed to get Ronaldo on and had Ronaldo talking shit out of his ass, basically. Um, and it worked. Like, everyone tapped in. Anyway. Pierce, Pierce, um, Pierce has got more pull than Ten Hag, these days. Man. That's brutal. <laughs> CK's, like, so not in the mood to chat. Saying, like, he's muted all the WhatsApp groups, but he has to come and do a podcast. Oh, it's, just, oh, this, it's just never a dull moment, man. Never a dull moment at this club. Uh, um, let's move away from Manchester United. Let's talk about Brighton. Yes. Who Manchester United actually play next? Uh, yeah, at Old Trafford. We play, we play <laughs> Manchester United and then we play Bayern away. Those are our next two games. Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, Evan Ferguson. I think I've seen both of you tweet about this guy. I actually thought actually that Brighton game, Jao Pedro was unbelievable, but no one chatted about it. I don't think anyway. Um, he was dragging the Newcastle defence everywhere. And Sakib, who's obviously one of the guys on the pod, he's a massive Watford fan. And before he joined Brighton, he said, forget goals and assists. You'll just want to watch Jao Pedro, the footballer. Um, and his back foot receiving is outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he's so good in possession. He was very, very good. Um, I do also want to talk about Newcastle as well, because I have some big concerns about them. They're looking a bit booky. Um, but Evan Ferguson... I was trying to think in my head, like, whose profile does he match? And I saw uh, I saw a lot of Wayne Rooney comparisons. I don't know why. I don't know why it's because he's wearing blue for a team and he's 18 years old and they want him at United. Um, or whether it's actually, like, potentially true. I, I never... I, I, when, if, when he first came on, I, I don't think there's actually a player that's been like him. Uh, I, what I described him as was Olivier Giroud, but with pace. Because his link of play and strength on the ball, you can't push him off. And he's very good between the lines. We know how Deserby loves to put the wingers wide and drop two in between the lines in the front two. But yeah, he, he's adapted to that role brilliantly, better than Welbeck. And then also he's got the clean ball striking of a Giroud as well. That's how I thought I pictured him as. But I think he's a sensational player. He is probably the second best prospect after Harland. He, he, I think he can become the second best striker in the world. Honestly, I think he can wow. go. He, so if you probably look at it now, the second the best out and out nine is obviously Kane, but he's going to probably decline mm-hmm. decline in the next few years. The second best will probably end up being Victor Osman or someone like that. I think Ferguson, mm. Ferguson's ceiling is better than Osman. I think technically he's 11 ahead of him. So And he's got the same kind of physical output. Uh, finishing is very good as well, like Osman. So I, I, that's, why, that's how high I think his ceiling is. No, I, I agree. I think his ceiling is... Uh, when you talk about profiles, like, it's so rare to find someone who's that big and that technically gifted. Like, he is a one-of-one. One. Um, he has, like, the tech technical ability and ability to drop deep, like, a Harry Kane and the ball striking of Harry Kane and then, like, the build of, like, a Olivier Giroud or, like, someone that's, that's big. So it, it's really... 
amazing to see. And he's 18 years. He scored a hat trick in the Premier League at 18 years old. Like that's right. just that's incredible. Yeah. He has a, an incredible like that striker's instinct to just be in the right place at the right time. Like the second goal was was something that he kind of created out of out of himself. Like, but the the other two is just like kind of like as a striker, you just kind of have to like, you have the innate ability to like have things kind of go your way and just like be in the right place at the right time. And I think he's, he's really good at that. Just kind of like those natural instincts and, and his ability to link play. He's, he's silky on the ball almost, which is mm. so rare to see with, with a person that's like physically kind of more brute and, and built in that way. So yeah, I think he's a special player. I I, I was like looking at him and I've, Initially, in his first few games, I thought he was like a hybrid of like Harry Kane because his overall game is so good. Like there's times when he picks the ball up and he's switching it out to the right winger from 20, 25 yards away. Like most strikers don't even think to do that. And he he pulls it off effortlessly. But he's also not like most strikers who play it wide and then just charge into the box because they're like, give me that return because I want to put it in the top corner. Um, I, I think in the sequence of play, he gets the ball, he pops it out to Solly March. He then draws closer to Billy Gilmore, who runs off him. He then takes Billy Gilmore's space in sort of like the midfield area, gets it back, plays a one-two with Gilmore, then pokes it out to Matoma, then pops up at the back post. And I was like, bro, like this this guy's like a nine, but yeah. like a ten all in one. Um, and then his oh. next sequence of play, he got it on his chest and did a Cruyff turn in the box and pulled the shot off that went just wide. And I was like, what are we watching here? Jokes. He's got he's got a fake passport. I'm convinced he can't be 18 <laughs> and doing things like that. I think um, it's, it's an interesting overarching point here. I think you see in the game now, each position, everyone's having to become more complete for an elite team. It started off with the goalkeepers having to distribute from the back. It then spread to the centre-backs. You can't not be a ball-playing centre-back. The full-backs mm. now as well. It's more important what you do going forwards than defensively, really, as a full-back nowadays. Then it went to the midfielders. You saw multifaceted midfielders like Gundogan. You see McAllister now. They're comfortable in all areas of the pitch. Now it's a striker. Poachers, pure poachers, aren't really existing in the top teams anymore. We talked about Rasmus Hoyland earlier just playing that link-up play as a positive sign. We were more interested in that than what he was doing in terms of in the box. This is what's happening in the game now. You need to be a lot more complete. These specialised players, for example, Kevin Phillips winning the golden boot, in the Premier League back in the 1990s. Don't disrespect my boy, Kevin <laughs> Phillips. <laughs> that that stuff is never going to happen now. You've got to be complete in all facets. And Ferguson will be leading the way in terms of strikers. Now we've seen Harry Kane. And after Benzema, he'll be the next one. That was big praise, man. He's just sat there listening to his podcast going, I just want to play football. <laughs> um, uh, his second goal was mental, actually. The way he just turned and like, defenders were scared of him. And that's quite unique for like an 18-year-old where you have like... I mean, I also do think like if Sven Botman's day closes him down, Dan Byrne was not interested in closing him down um, because like the week before he got ripped to shreds by Darwin. <laughs> so he was like, i got no interest in getting involved. Um, while we're on the topic of Brighton, Ansu Fati. Um, I personally didn't like the discourse or the narrative around people going, this is how far Brighton have come where they can sign Barcelona's number 10. I think context and situation goes a long way. Ansu Fati's been broken for ages. Um, he's never really lived up to the hype that he was meant to have. I still think he's a great footballer. Um, so, like, this idea that Brighton are still, like, this seaside club and that they love seagulls down there and Barcelona are, like, Lionel Messi's Barcelona with Busquets and all these guys. Both teams have actually come, like, 
there's like a, they've come to not an equal ground, but they've come much closer to being equal than they were before. Like there's not if Brighton played Barcelona tomorrow, Barcelona are not going to win four 0 I'd actually go as far as saying I think Brighton would win four 0 more 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 time than Barcelona in four 0 Um CK and two fatty, do you feel anything towards this guy? That clipped up. I want. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everyone knows I don't get clipped. <laughs> Um, CK, any particular feelings towards Ansu Fati? No, I think he's just one of those players who's just like obviously extremely talented and then has just had really, really bad luck with injuries. But, you know, it's tough to just write off, oh, it's just injuries. You know, those things do accumulate over time and can have, you know, a tremendous effect on players. But I, I think it's 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 a brilliant signing for Brighton and and hopefully can can revamp Fati's career because, you know, he was one of, if not the most exciting player. I mean, to get the number 10 shirt after after Messi, that's you got to be pretty damn good. So mm. um, I think I think it'll it'll work out well for him. I really I think he's going to fit into that system really well. I've just pulled up his injury record here actually, and it's 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 quite extensive. It's quite alarming that that one huge um, knee injury that kept him out for a year in twenty twenty one season, and then just kind of little niggles after that. But I, I really hope he 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 hits the ground running and and can do well because he's obviously a really really talented player. And whenever he's on the pitch, like. I really enjoy watching him play, so I, I, I would love to see him in the in the Premier League. I've just uh, rolled up Raj's tweet about Ansu Fati, and bloody hell, there's a lot of tweets. You know? <laughs> um, the the one three days ago, I thought Ansu Fati's game increasingly looked like being suited to playing in the pockets. Started moving uh, really well between the lines. Can see him playing as a ten off Evan Ferguson, big man, little man connection. Peter Crouch, Jermaine Defoe is saying. Um, there's another one here. Nobody makes good depth runs in this team without Ansu Fati. Uh, class box run from Ansu Fati one after one minute after coming on. Um, Fati's penetration in behind. There's a lot of Ansu Fati praise. You're a big fan. Yeah, honestly, this kid, when he first came on the scene as a 16-year-old, I think it was, I thought he was bad on door potential, honestly. I've never seen a guy move so intelligently but then finish in such a composed manner along with having uh, elite athleticism as well. It was a great combination. Yeah, him and Messi really did look like uh, a, mm. a, a good duo. And then what happened is he gets that tackle, I think it was from a uh, Villarreal or someone in the La Liga centre-back, just really chopped him. And it tore his meniscus. Oh, I had a bit of medical insight here. So he had a meniscal surgery and they repaired it, but then that failed. And he had another surgery again. I think that one failed as well. So he's had two separate revision surgeries on his initial surgery. And I think it's just taken way too much out of him. The meniscus acts like a kind of shock absorber in the knee. And it does, it can, it can affect uh, how, how much kind of force you're putting in uh, into the ground. And it does, it does reduce the force. It's meant to. But when you've got less of it, it can cause wear and tear in the knee and, uh, and affect it. So he, he's definitely been uh, very unlucky in terms of injuries and then the treatment failing. So I'm hoping... He can he can get back to it, back to his best, but I think it's going to be as a different type of player. As I mentioned in those tweets, he's more of a pocket player now rather than having that elite pace, one v one ability. That's kind of gone out of his game, but he is adapting. He's more like a Rodrigo for Real Madrid. He's good at kind of interplay now, and him and Ferguson I think could be brilliant. As, as we said, De Serbi loves those kind of players in between the lines combining. Him and Ferguson could be a, a great connection, and Ferguson can be the battering ram and play Fatty in into the into the box and things like that. Um I I like I'm gutted that you know like a, a young player comes on the scene has so much potential and then he's wrecked by one knee injury at such a young age. 
and then he basically now like loses the facet in his game that made him who he is. Like he came on the scene because of how explosive he was. It's like it's like Eden Hazard losing that five yard turn of pace. That's basically what's happened now. And and he's just struggling now. And now he's got no interest in football. Um, so it's one of those things where like you kind of go, I, I I wish that didn't like it's better off for him to actually like, I don't know, slip a disc in his spine over and over again mm. than to lose his pace. Cause mm-hmm. like without his pace, like he's gonna he's gotta completely readapt his style of play. He's one of those players that actually got me off my seat. Yeah. And there's less and less of those now. Like yeah. Jeremy Doku's come to City. He ain't going to be getting me off my seat. Give it three months. He's going to be playing square passes constantly. Um, <laughs> robot. Yeah, bro. Like after the game, he, uh, to be fair, he got um, Pep wasn't there this week, was he? So the assistant manager and the assistant manager was like Jeremy, go do what you want. Pep's like Pep's going to see him going. We never do what we want here. We do what Pep wants, which is square passes. Um, I'm worried in terms of just an off topic, Jude Bellingham as well. He's had issues with his knee. I think you always yeah. see it strapped up in games. I saw a stat, he's had more minutes than any under-21 under player in world football in his career so far. And Whoa. Yeah. And Real Madrid have now got injuries to Vinicius, so they're really light in attack. And he's playing that number 10 position. He's going to be ran into the ground this season. So I really do... Also, he, he like loves it as well. Yeah. So like he's loving the attention and like the whole Madrid thing. So you kind of do have to start going, well, like he wants to carry the team on his back. There's all yeah. this stuff actually that came out about some Dortmund players. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they so said, some Dortmund... didn't they say that he, they were relieved his, his presence has gone from the dressing room because he was put, demanding too much of them? Yeah, yeah. And they were also saying like, he loved it being about him. Ah. Um, and you kind of see it, like he laps it up with those La Liga cameras that make anything look like a Hollywood film. Um, but he was he sort of like, he'll if the option is there for him to play every game this season, he'll continue to play every single game. And then you do worry, like, does that kill his career long term? And, um, and look at his style of play as well. He's so box to box and intense. He's, he's not, he puts the work in every minute on the pitch. So honestly, yeah, this one is scaring me. Um, very quickly before I let you go, uh, Jude Bellingham uh, has just been mentioned. I did want to talk about him. CK is so upset right now. I can see like the upset, and like he's just like sad. He's actually just sad. Um, this is this is a nice um, distraction though. I'm just talking about other <laughs> actually things that I'm interested in, other than this. Club, um, this might be really probably more. I guess easy for you to answer than me and Raj because we're English. Mm. But is there a better midfield trio in international football than Rice, Bellingham, and Foden? I don't think England will ever play that. I don't think England will ever play that three. I think it'll be Rice, Henderson, Bellingham, or well, he- you know how South Korea does. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Raj. Yeah, well, Rambo, um, the Trent was actually put on the midfielder list. This squad. So that could be the other option. Rice, Trent and Bellingham and Foden playing off a wing, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe let's, let's switch Foden out because I don't think Southgate will play Foden through the middle, to be honest. Maybe Trent, Rice and Bellingham. I see that more as a likely option um, with maybe Rice sitting, Bellingham going box to box and Trent dropping as a double double pivot from time to time. Um is that the best midfield trio in international football, CK? I'm trying to think. Do you wait? Other... I'm sorry. Do you who who do you support in internationals? Uh, I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, US. We're we're getting better. Like, I actually like the football that we're playing in the World Cup. I like a few of our players. Yunus Munsa, I think, is a is a player to to look out for going forward. He just 
went to AC Milan, and I re- I like him a lot. I think he's destined to go to the top. Um, Pulisic's hit the ground running um, at AC Milan, scoring a couple goals already. So I like the football that we're playing, but I mean, realistically, if you're rooting for someone to win, we're, we're not going to win any tournament anytime soon here. So I like watching uh, England. Um, I usually just watch players that I like. So obviously a lot of the players in the Premier League and then like a lot of French players as well. I was thinking about France because they have Chumeni and, and Kamavinga. I'm trying to think who would be the third person. Griezmann Griezmann will probably be the third, won't he, in that right side of yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. And then you have Spain, Pedri, and Rodri. I'm trying to think who's going to be the third in that. He probably sticks Gavi. Danny Olmo. Yeah, Gavi. I guess Gavi kind of <laughs> drops it down. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Bellingham. What was the three you said? You said Bellingham. Uh, Rice and Trent. Mm, Trent full-time midfield? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but um, I mean, it's it, the talent. I mean, is I think Bellingham is in like the perfect position. Like he made the correct career move, going to Real Madrid in mm. a, a midfield that's just like so solid. Like the structure is there. I think he's very much just like a. I think luxury player is a little bit too harsh, but like he he's best just crashing the box, like getting involved, like being like what being like a kind of just like that final cherry on top sort of player and in a midfield of, of Chiumeni and Kamavinga and then options of obviously Luka Modric, Luka Modric, excuse me, and, and Tony Cruz, like he can just do what he does best there, which is just score goals, like float around, like do, do what he does. Um, and so I think he, he made a really correct, if he, if he went to like a Manchester United or something, for example, I don't think he'd be doing nearly what, what he's doing right now. So, but yeah, that midfield three is, is, is pretty good. I'm I'm fascinated to see if Mbappe goes to Madrid, how that affects Bellingham. Because I don't mm. think he's been in a dressing room yet with a guy who has as big of a aura. Not an e- <laughs> yeah, aura. Aura is the only word I can think of. Like someone who demands cameras and press and paparazzi as much as Mbappe. Mm. Like he's got Vinicius around, but Vinicius doesn't carry the same aura. Vinicius is just a pure footballer that we all love and enjoy. Yeah. Um and Vinicius could be walking in a street in in Manchester and no one's going to recognise him. Whereas like Mbappe can't even walk in the street in Afghanistan. People will still know who he is. So um, I wonder what effect that has on Bellingham. Um, but anyway, back to the question. Rice, Trent, Bellingham. What are you saying, Raj? Yeah, I like it. I like it. But I agree with CK. Trent has still got a lot of work to do to really make that midfield spot something he can thrive in full time. I think even today for Liverpool, you saw him. They weren't rigidly inverting him into midfield. It was only situational. Most of his passes were coming from like the side of Aston Villa's block where he had a bit more space to pass over the top. It's when he's inside an opposition team's defensive formation is where he needs to improve on the turn with pressure on his back. That So, yeah, I'd probably give it still to Kamavinga, Chouameni and Griezmann. I think they are the leading force in midfield. And then if Trent can adapt, maybe they can get there one day. Uh, but I do I do like the look of a Trent-Rice double pivot because you've got Rice mm. will be able to dictate the, dictate the tempo in possession and give Trent that a bit more freedom to create. And that's what he needs. You don't want him playing at the base uh, and controlling tempo. You want him being free to create. So yeah, and Rice is obviously elite defensively. So yeah, it could be. I think I like, I like the look of that partnership. Then Jude play Jude in the final third as he's doing for Real Madrid. What about Foden? Yeah, I no, think if you, you just put Rice, guys aren't feeling Foden. I think I he's think so under. He's almost underrated now. 
I it becomes like... a balance. It becomes a balance issue though, because if you play Rice, Bellingham, and Foden, you've got you're going to be leaving that midfield yeah, pretty course, vacant. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're asking Rice to do a up... job. Yeah, and Saka's got that right wing spot nailed for me. So then the yeah. only place where where you can fit in Foden then becomes left wing. And to be it's honest, be Saka I'd Rashford. Be... Yeah, Ah, uh, Rashford. That, yeah, I. Did, I yeah, it's just it's, that it's, dynamic it's, is just crazy, and like international football, where you just need like moments. Yes, I would have Rashford starting overall, probably ahead of Foden in the left wing slot. But the alternative is Southgate's been using Jack Grealish on the left wing, and I don't think he deserves to be anywhere near the England starting eleven, in my opinion. I think his influence on Man City's success has been grossly overrated. I think he's had a very simple job to do in terms of dribbling with it, drawing fouls, retaining the ball. I don't think he's been the game changer for Man City. I think you could have put any number of left wingers in there in world football and they would have done a similar job to Grealish, in my opinion. And I think that's why Doku's been brought in to push Grealish and to maybe even take his spot. And I think, yeah, I, I think he is the weakest player in Man City's treble winning eleven, Jack Grealish. So, yeah, I don't think he's done much to to, to start things. I even, I even would have James Madison ahead of him, he's, even on the left wing. I think Madison has got superior... Wow creative abilities he's better he's a better finisher you saw that goal yesterday Coutinho-esque finish into the top corner I think I, I prefer him to Jack Grealish even wow that's big I mean I, I definitely understand your point there like what he does is nothing like crazy special but like he's probably one of the best at like that simple job if that makes sense I don't know if it's not like bigging him up but like he does that job very well um, and so I think, I think managers just see like, it's almost like a safe bet, like throwing Grealish out there. Like you're not going to get any sort of like pushback for, for starting Jack Grealish. Cause he's not going to like you really mess it, up. Do you not think it's a bit of an ego thing from Pepper's eye? He spent hundred million pounds on this guy and he probably does feel like he has to play him. Otherwise the press, everyone's going to be talking about why is a hundred million pound flop on the bench? I do think there's a bit of that in there as well. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he didn't he didn't play very much as his the first season, but we kind of know Pep does yeah, that. Agree. Like, you come in and you just like you got to figure it out. You got to figure out the system. You got to like pay your rent almost, and then you can play. But <laughs> I mean, he's come up. Excuse me, he's come up with some like decently big moments, like the the, yeah. the goal against Arsenal last year. I mean, if he scores that goal that that Mendy clears off the line in the Champions League semifinal last year. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Then we could be having a different conversation too. But I definitely hear what you're saying. Like, it's not like a difficult job that he's doing. I would did, say. He's not doing anything did, like, let, crazy special. Let me ask a question to both of you. Then, do you think Doku will take Grealish's spot by the end of the season? Just think about their wingers like, right I, now. Like, because they sold Bernardo. Bernardo is probably locked in for the right wing now. If if he takes if he takes Grealish's spot. Or just in general, you think Bernardo's locked in? I think Bernardo's locked in as the right winger because then now they've got three central midfielders. They won't need to play Bernardo. They've got Nunes, Kovacic and Rodri. And you play mm -hmm. Foden as like the interior midfielder whilst KDB's out. And, and there's no one really to start on the right wing. I think Bernardo's got right wing sewn up. Yeah, and then Doku. Then, becomes, then it becomes, then becomes Doku versus Grealish for the left. Yeah, I mean, we know we know Pep isn't afraid to try things, but they also just came off winning a treble with him, so it's it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit more, you know, the man management there is a little bit. It can get tricky, but it'll be interesting. To, I wouldn't be surprised to see him definitely like 
I mean, Mares was like the the golden boy of that run last or two years ago, and then he just barely played the next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we know Pep isn't afraid to do stuff like that. I don't know, man. We sort of chatted about this earlier in the pod. Like, I do think managers like Pep get bored or they are so innovative that they want to keep recreating things. I don't completely agree that Grealish, he didn't say useless, but essentially he's useless to what City do. They could they could have had someone better is what you're saying. He said it in um, a nicer way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, my mate voiced at me the other day randomly and just said, if Grealish played left back, it wouldn't make a difference to Man City. Um, so <laughs> that's basically what you said. Um, I I don't know. Like I I hear it to an extent, but at the same time, I also think like in essence, it's quite difficult to play that type of role. Like someone like Zaha, for example, comparably tries to do what Grealish does, but tries to be a little bit more penetrative. 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 Got that in the end. Um, and so, do I think Doku will do Grealish's role? It depends what Pep does with Doku. If Pep brings Doku in and says, I want you to carry on playing like you are, then that completely goes against the grain of what Pep's been doing for the last two seasons with his wingers. And so then, you could argue, actually, he is bringing Doku in to take Grealish's spot. If he asks Doku to do what Grealish is doing, then Grealish is the master at this trade. Mm. Like He's actually better than anyone in the world at doing this. Mm. Um I don't know though. I mean, you definitely you're from Cov, right? So like, yeah. you definitely have some beef with Grealish. You just don't like the guy that much. <laughs> no, honestly, I, he kind of epitomizes a bit of my boredom with modern football. He's so yeah. rigid and regimented in that what he does every time when he gets the ball. There's no instinctive play. It's obviously been coached into him because he was a lot more instinctive at Aston Villa. Uh, so that is why I've got a bit of more pent up dislike of the player. And I think I that. I, then I then I watched Spurs yesterday, and I saw James Madison just doing stuff off the cuff, uh, dropping into all kinds of areas, skinning people on the wing, dropping deep and firing switches in between the lines and threading through balls in, making runs in behind. I thought, wow, this is a special player, and I've never mm. had that feeling with Jack Grealish at Man City. Yeah, I hear it from a point of view of like boredom. I've said this as well, actually. I think I said this on last week's podcast. Um, I've like found myself bored of watching football. Then Darwin Nunez had the two moments against Newcastle. And regardless of the fact that it was a player for my team, I was more so like with Arsenal today, I was singing Rice Rice Baby in the room because like, I'm bored of watching like the same teams do the same things every week. Like I'm actually really interested in um, these like narrative football purist type moments in a way like it goes against the grain of us starting the insight because the insight we talk about tactics where uh, whereby a lot of people will go yeah but this is what everyone's doing now whereas like you can't talk about like narrative like you know like yeah. what, what more can I say about Darwin Nunez scoring two last minute goals yeah yeah I've got an idea for you for a new TikTok by the way whilst you're singing Rice Rice Baby to feed your daughter some rice <laughs> it all go viral to be fair uh, she just ate avocado for the first time today and she Ooh. loved it um, nice. so you're going to be a bougie child man avocado for your first meal I was eating chips I think <laughs> um, anyway we will wrap on that point uh, boys thank you very much for hopping in Raf if you are listening thank you for hopping in earlier fix your internet please um, for those of you listening at home thank you for listening as always if you've come across a clip on socials make sure you follow us on socials at no Rates Pod. follow the guys as well follow the pod on Spotify and all of the podcast platforms also follow us on YouTube because Gary Lineker episode comes out on the 12th of September um, and we will have a few more announcements before the end of September 
So stay tuned and we'll see you next time.